You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Good morning. My name is Mary Margaret Leroy, and I'm the kids and outreach pastor here. And um, this is what you get. (laughs) What you get when you don't go on vacation on Labor Day weekend. So as Reese has mentioned to you, um, we have launched our third and final child into college. And um, every time, and you probably all do this, every time you know, your kid goes through some kind of milestone, you reflect on when you went through that same uh, milestone. Um, and so when I was in college, I fell in love with lots of people and lots of things, and I still do. But four of those things are still integral parts of my life. Falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Reese, falling in love with REM, and falling in love with you too. And the list is fluid. The order is fluid. And don't feel bad for him because I have to compete with everybody from Beyonce to whoever, okay? And I can't lemonade, all right? So, um, <laughs> um, so we've had the opportunity to see um, you too a couple of times. And because uh, Reese eventually got on the, the U2 train too. So we went and we, we've got, had the opportunity to see him a couple times. And if you've ever been to a big stadium event, you know, you're, you, you get there and then it's, you, you have to pick like a line to get into, that you're fed into the giant stadium and there's very little choices. Once you commit to the line, you can't go, oh wait, that's moving faster. You know, you're in. And so we were at this ginormous stadium concert and just all excited. And we are to the point where um, we got through this kind of little thing and then we're walking up the steps. So there's absolutely no way that you can leave what you're headed toward. It's like, you know, you're going to the sheep to the slaughter kind of a thing. You don't have any, there's no way. You just got to go this way. And you normally, like, you know, at a concert, I love live music. I don't care what it is. I just love it. And so, you know, you're all excited. And we were all excited. We were with a couple of friends. And then all of a sudden you hear, I mean, there's 20,000 people there. But above that, you hear this yelling. And we're like, what's happening? And we're being sucked toward the yelling. And when we round the corner, there are these giant signs and these giant men yelling about how we are all going to hell (laughs) because we're going to this concert. They were very explicit about how we were going to hell, what we're gonna do in hell, what was gonna happen to us in hell. And there was just, I would say screaming, but that would imply a high pitch situation. It was, I mean, it it was really, and the signs reiterated what was coming out of their mouth so we could read it. You know, it's like all the ways that you can learn, okay? You can see it, you can hear it, all that. And as we went by, I mean, I was terrified. I have never been, I don't think, so afraid in my life. So jokes on them, an hour later, I'm having one of the most amazing worship experiences to this day of my life singing pride with 20,000 other people in the name of love. Oh, man. But do you see the anxiety (laughs) that was there? 
I don't really think that's what the Great Commission and making disciples <laughs> um, was, was all about. Now, Reese and Roger, as they have laid out this um, sermon series, they've used words like love and kindness to describe our call and um, how we are to pursue people, open our hearts to people, to help them to see the kingdom of heaven. And so I'm going to add another word today to the parables that we're going to look at, and that's the word joy. Okay, now I'm going to read to you Luke 15. Yes, the whole chapter, but it's really quick and it's really good. Um, like some parts of the Bible aren't, that's funny. Um, so, well, you know, um, I do think that Leviticus is in there for Jerry Springer people. I just, just go read it. I can't explain it. You just have to read it. It's like, you really got to tell people not to do that? So you can do a couple different things. Um, you can look at your phone Bible, you can look at your paper Bible, or you can just sit back and relax, but stay focused, stay connected. So, Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 to open, uh, to in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and comes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. And I tell you, the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 persons, religious, righteous persons who don't even need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the young son got together, I'm sorry, got together all he had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, Ah, how my father's hired servants have food to spare, and I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to even be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, to the bat cave, not really, quick, <laughs> Every time I read that this week, I did that. I'm 12. Uh, bring the best robe, put it, 
put it on him, put the ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing, and he called to one of the servants and asked, what was going on? Well, your brother has come home, he replied. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Well, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, and you never gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. Well, when the son of yours comes home who has squandered your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatty calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you that you breathe life into every one of us. Come, Holy Spirit, come and do your good work. Speak to us. Help us to enter into the dance with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so in all families and workplaces, we all kind of have like a role we take on, things that aren't part of our job description, just like, oh, well, blah, 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 we'll do that. And especially when our kids were young, one of my roles in our household was the finder of lost things. I was always the finder of the lost things. And you know, I kind of like it because I'm good at it. And the best thing about it is I love it when I find it. I just love that. <gasps> it's like I won a game. And it's just, it, I, you know, I look for joy wherever I can, okay? <laughs> but in these stories, in these parables, the finding is the party. Um, but what's just as important as the parables are the two verses that lead up to the parables. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus is attractional. You know, he wasn't the one out there going, hey, y'all come listen to me. No, it says they gathered around him. They were drawn to him. And I don't think it's because he was pointing out their brokenness. Because it's very clear, these people are not allowed in the temple. They're not allowed to participate. They are the others. But they're drawn to Jesus, and he welcomes them. And so several times in the Gospels, the Pharisees have this very same complaint. They're really ticked off, not only that he hangs out with these people, but it really chaps their hide that he eats with them. And that, Ian Reese has talked to you a bunch about how we just love food. Oh my God, do we love food. And that's why I run, because we love food. And so food is just important. And I love, he used a line last week um, that food is culture. It can be. And in this particular culture, food is very important. I came across an article um, called Eating as a Celebration of Jewish Life. Because I was trying to get some understanding. Why does this, why is the eating so like uh, bothersome to them? Because in this culture, eating is a sacred act. And here's a quote from the article. Eating is a social action that transforms the biological need into a community of intimacy and shared experience. I think that's why Alpha has a meal every night. At the beginning. Intimacy, shared experience. 
You build community, you share. Well, the Pharisees just could not abide that. They couldn't let the others in. You see, they were valuing their rules over the relationship. So all of that spurs Jesus on to tell these stories, these parables that reveal the Father's heart and they reveal the kingdom of God. Both of those things are invitational. So let's look at these. So you've got the shepherd. In that parable, the word joy or rejoicing is mentioned three times. A storyteller, whether it's an oral story or writing a story, one device that they will use when they really want to make a point is repetition. So this is no accident. There's joy, there's joy, there's joy. He also, in this one, the shepherd, it's important to note that he leaves, he goes out, he searches, and then he gently, joyfully brings back. And then Jesus is really kind. He takes out all the guesswork and says, this is what's happening in heaven. I mean, he didn't even leave it to him like, mm, I wonder if they'll figure it out. He goes, no, this is, this is what happens, okay? Then the lady with the coin. Um, she had the 10, the 10 coins, and it is believed that that was her dowry and that she would wear them in her hair so that she could let it be known that she was ready to be married and could, could do all the things that you needed to do to to be married. And so to lose one meant a hard no on what her life was supposed to turn into. So when she loses it, it's, it's intense. But she knows she lost it in her home. And so she stays in the house, she turns on the light, and she sweeps and she searches. And twice the word rejoicing is used because when she finds it, there is a what? Oh my goodness, there's a party, okay? <laughs> There's a party. There's a party in the first one. There's a party in the second one. Then the father. And this is the most intimate relationship of the three parables. But it seems like the father does the least. He doesn't go out. He doesn't search the property. But he pays attention. And not only a few words, but a few paragraphs are used here to describe the immense joy and celebration that the father and the wait staff have, you know, when this son has, has come home. So let's talk about parties for just a second. Um, each one of the parables, they each had a party, a joyful party, because you might be thinking of like the worst party you ever went to. Don't, don't do that. This is, these are all joyful parties. And Jesus equated the joyful parties with kingdom activity. The word party actually comes from a French word meeting together for pleasure. Ooh, I love the French. Leroy. Okay. Um, sorry. Parties is where we, we meet new people, we get to reconnect with old friends, and it rids people of anxiety. Okay, I had to take exception to that one. I had to stop and think because like, wait a minute. <laughs> but in my personal experience, I've been throwing dinner parties since I was 18. And when I stop and look at the parties that I have thrown, and that's been a lot, of, that's been 40 years of parties. When I stop and think about where am I anxious, because as Reese has outed me as an introvert numerous times, it's like, it's, it's just in the preparation part. It's in the planning part that the anxiety just gathers like a wave, because you wanna make sure you've got everything ready and everything in order, but once the party starts, it's like the best hill on a roller coaster and your hands are up. Woo! 
ooh, I am just in it. And then it's like, oh, wait. So the anxiety comes in the planning, but once you're there in the party and you're connecting with people, that's the easy part. And so if we're going to continue this analogy to, in a spiritual sense, I think a lot of our anxiety in making disciples comes from the fact that we think we're the ones throwing the party. We think we're the ones creating the environment. We think we're the ones that have to carry this thing. And that is a giant lie, because we're not. Even in these paragraphs, these parables, the, the shepherd, the woman, the father, those are all the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're the ones that throw the party. They're the ones that carry the weight. You and me, we're inviters and includers, and sometimes waitstaff, which is just an enormous amount of fun. So uh, I came across a website called My Domain, and this is their comment on, on the crowd of a party. The best crowd will include introverts and extroverts, great conversationalists, excellent listeners, and people of all ages. That is everyone in this room and online, okay? That's everybody. You know, I never really thought that the Great Commission or the call to make disciples was embedded in party planning, but apparently it is, okay? The kingdom of God, it's not our lives that we're saying is the party. It's the kingdom of heaven. Don't get those, don't, don't hear that wrong saying, oh, so if somebody comes to Jesus, their life's a party. No, we all know that is not true. But the kingdom of heaven, that is the party. Because the kingdom of heaven, that is where there is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It is the opposite of the world in which we live. When we allow ourselves to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, we carry this, we carry the kingdom, then we, like Jesus, are attractional. So if we're going to like relate, apply the parables to ourselves, some of us are just naturally like the shepherd. You're going to go out, you're going to search, you're going to, you're just out there. And then some of us are like the woman, where you're going to be a light to those in proximity to you. You're able to be that light. You're able to draw out those that would seek to hide. And then there are those of us that are like the father. The father kept the farm going. He kept things moving. We walk through life paying attention. And when people see themselves as failures, come to us. We give them the best robe because we are filled with compassion. Now, I do believe that we are all apt to be all of those things at any given time. Um, when we lean into the Holy Spirit, he lets us know. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's God's work. We are just invited to come along. I want to leave this part of the service with the scripture, and it's from John 3.16, but it's from the message. This is how much God loved the world. 
He gave his son, his one and his only son. And this is why. So that no one need to be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to the trouble, to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help and to put the world right again.